Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Mark. And if you're like me, sometimes you get obsessed by a band and then find out that they broke up years earlier. You think to yourself, the hell was I? Well, that happened with my guest, Stephen David McKellar. His first and only band was Civil Twilight. Stephen formed the band in Cape Town, South Africa with his brother Andrew and their friend Richard just when the country started to open up from apartheid. Their career got off to a quick start when they were offered a gig before the band even actually formed. After hitting a ceiling in South Africa, the group packed up and moved to Los Angeles with absolutely no plan. After recording an album and receiving zero label support, the band caught a break in Texas and started to tour the U.S. with bands like Jimmy Eat World, Silver Sun Pickups, Florence and the Machine, and Smashing Pumpkins. After years of touring, recording, drinking, things finally caught up with Steven when he suffered back-to-back seizures from alcohol withdrawal. The band broke up and he took some time to regroup. Eventually, music drew him back. He started writing music again and built up the courage to share it. And in addition to a few EPs, he's finally released his full album, Nama. It's a departure from Civil Twilight and it sounds more experimental. And Steven also talks about what the future may hold. So if you want to stay in the loop, check out his Instagram at wine underscore gums underscore and pick up his album on sonic ritual follow us at performance anx on instagram or twitter reach out there or the performance anxiety pod at gmail.com let us know who you want to hear from and support us at ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety or performance anx.threadless.com i hope you enjoy this wild story with steven david mckeller on performance anxiety part of the pantheon podcast network Okay. Nice. I like that. Okay. Cool. Hey, this is Stephen David McKellar, and uh, you're listening to Performance Anxiety. And uh, my new record, Nama, is out and about. And you can go and check it out on uh, my website or Instagram page. I uh, hope you have a good listen and hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Cool. I'm a latecomer to Civil Twilight, but going back and listening to that, it's just awesome stuff. Oh, thanks, man. So Thank I, you. So I've got a lot of questions for you. This one's been a long time coming. We've been working on trying to get connected for a while, so uh, I'm really happy we finally have. I know, <laughs> me too. Yeah, I've been I've been traveling the last few months, so I'm, I'm back in LA now. Oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah, I got back Wednesday, so... so. 
Oh, good. Um, yeah. No, the last time we tried, you were in South Africa. Yeah, that's right. I was, um, I was there for about two months. Wow. Um, and my folks live there. So I was helping, helping them move. Oh so, yeah. man. Yeah. That's, you know, I get mad when I have like local friends say, Hey, help me move. But man, going to South Africa to help somebody move. That's, that's love. <laughs> oh, and my, yeah. my dog is going ape shit right now. Cause I think my wife just got back. So okay. he's the kind of dog he would have just barked and then be like, Hey, here's where all the good stuff is. <laughs> so just pet me. Yeah, that's uh, my dog's the same way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to think all dogs are that way. It's, I know. Um, uh, you know, uh, unless, Deep down inside, they just want to connect. Yeah, <laughs> I, they do. We've got a second one who doesn't even hide it. That's all he does is just wants to love on you. Yeah, <laughs> so cute. Man. So, oh, my wife is staring at me. Hold, yes? That's okay. She's apologizing for the dog going oh, that's crazy. All right. So, and so is my, my, now my youngest daughter is staring at me now. What? Oh, that's a, there, I mean, I'm getting multiple apologies. Oh, I don't think he's got a family affair. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Knuckleheads. Anyway, so, all right. Now that's, that's a good bit of editing I'm going to have to do. <laughs> so. I guess the whole purpose of this podcast is to kind of find out how you got to where you are now. You, you know, when you have a new release, there's a whole story behind how you got to the songs that you're currently making. And I, I like to find, I like to hear the stories leading up to it. Mm. And you've got an interesting one because I mean, you were born in South Africa and I'm always really interested you know being born and raised in america i know what i grew up listening to i know what all my friends grew up listening to and the, the pop music and the rock music that i loved but i'm always mm. curious to uh what people what artists listen to that influence them when from other countries so i mean mm -hmm. what was what was going on in, in south africa what were you listening to how did you really get into music mm. yeah well i i, I was introduced to my music was around the house obviously growing up and everything but i wasn't really into it uh, it was more like background so for the longest time your, were your parents um, into things like that or was it like you're saying just yeah. just uh like like yeah. most people just it was just there yeah it was just there you know okay it's just um very grown up yes and uh <laughs> <laughs> you know they they listen to you know opera and jazz and and it was around, I, I, I think it really, my eyes were opened to, to the power of it when I, I think when I first heard like Nirvana and stuff, ah. that's when, that's when I, um, yeah, that's when it started making sense. And I, I, I don't know why that was. It just, uh, I think it was my teenage, I was about 13, 14. It was that teenage connection that I needed. Uh, just something about that direct simplicity and power of that music was like it just struck me it suddenly it suddenly made more sense and i think uh, at this at, at around the same time and it all kind of happened uh, i started listening to, to that kind of music started singing in the band started getting into music all around the same time and oh, wow. uh up to that point I, I i didn't really do I didn't really listen to anything. I didn't, you know. You were you were so, more to surfing and all, if I if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, it's funny. I, mean, I, was, I was also started that surfing, skating around the same time because it's sort of linked in with the culture of punk rock, and and there wasn't a lot of that at all going on in South Africa during like the early '90s. So that you know, the, the country was just starting to open up to the rest of the world yeah. after being in this in the very evil darkness for many decades. Right, so, right, yeah, because ap- yeah. apartheid wasn't really. I mean, that was still a recent, recent history of of the country. I know. Yeah. So 94 is when it actually ended. So like I was, I was, yeah, I mean, you know, so 94, 95, 96, I was, that's when the country started opening up to, yeah, to the rest of the world stuff from, from other countries started finding its way there a little more. Uh, Up to that point, it was extremely isolated. There wasn't a lot, there was huge sanctions on, on the country. So there wasn't. We didn't get, you know, for many decades, but it just wasn't, um, yeah, there wasn't a lot of influence from anywhere else. Right, yeah, because it, was, it wasn't available to you. Yeah, just, just yeah, that's a whole other thing. It's quite amazing how they, they, they use an insane propaganda machine to just control every, everything. Yeah. I mean, I was, I, was, I was born in 83, so, you know, I was very young when this was all going, when this is all coming to, to head and, and exploding. And, yeah, so... So the so the country in uh, South Africa in the nineties, I mean, it was a it was a phenomenal time because it was opening up to the world, and um, but it was still so isolated and still very unknown. I feel like it now it's a, now it's a it's a tourist destination, but at the time it was uh, it was still I still had the shadow of apartheid over it, and it was just right. still it was changing massively, and it was it was a lot of hope and a lot of growth happening. So it was a very exciting time to be there, and I think. But naturally, uh, we, we felt, and we still do feel very much like the underdogs, you know. Um, I, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a trick, It's such a tricky one, you know, because I'm, I'm a white guy from South Africa. It's like the yes. idea of growing <laughs> up there. It's hard to explain, you know, how that all came about. But South Africa is a very unique place in the world. And um, there's a lot a lot of cultures, a lot of languages, a lot of people from all over the world that gravitated there yeah. um, for many reasons, you know, and uh, I grew up in Cape Town. Cape Town's a very beautiful place. It's on, it's on the coast. It's yeah, very wild and yeah, it's stunning. So I think it, it was, uh, um, and kind of unknown for, uh, you know, Europeans would vacate there yeah. uh, a lot, but it was just not like, um, yeah, it was a little hidden gem. So, I, I, but I, I think that when as a, as a kid, you know, I just wanted to be in touch with the world and I felt like music, music from America and the UK and Europe felt, it, I, it gave me a, a link to what was happening to oh, the rest of the world. That makes a lot of um, sense. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hey, everybody. I've got a great sponsor that I want to talk to you about. For a long time, I wondered if CBD was something that might benefit me, but I had no idea how to find out. I didn't know what products were available, what companies were reputable, and really even what questions to ask to get the answers I needed. That's why I'm so glad I found Pure Spectrum CBD. They helped me discover what CBD could do for me. They were awesome at determining what my needs were, and they helped me find a starting point. 
I've started with the tincture and the isolate, but there's also gummies, topicals, mints, and a lot more. Pure Spectrum not only has CBD products for wellness, they also have them for fitness and recovery. There's even CBD for your pets. The website has a ton of information and chat options are available. And all their products are third-party tested and the results are available right on their website. So go to PureSpectrumCBD.com to do your own research. And when you check out, use code PERFORMANCEANX for 15% off your order. Check them out on Instagram at PureSpectrumHemp and subscribe to their email list for sales, new products, and updates. Pure Spectrum refined phytocannabinoid wellness products for all lifestyles. Yeah, and so it felt like that was extremely in- intriguing and exciting. So I just lapped that up, you know. And that's kind of how I got into it. And then I, you know, I started playing bass. I started singing first as the band and I started playing bass because nobody else wanted to play bass. <laughs> and, uh, and then I thought, oh, crap, I've got to sing and play bass. Well, whatever. I'll just try and do that. <laughs> so um, was Civil yeah. Twilight the first band that you started? Because you were in that with your brother, right? Yeah, the first, the first band. My brother and uh, and Rich and I, it was like, uh, yeah, it's insane how it, it came together very accidentally too. My brother and Rich had this idea of forming a band and they had a few little, they jammed a little bit of something. I, I wasn't really involved in that. I was, I didn't even know I wanted to do uh, music, music. I was just like, yeah, they're just doing anything. Right. And I was about, yeah, 13, 14. And then they, they got offered a show. They had no songs. They weren't even a band. They said they just had no name or anything. They just said, someone said, why don't you guys start a band and open for this other band that's playing a show in two weeks' time? Oh, my God. And so they said, well, we don't have a singer, but my Andrew, Andrew my brother, was suggested that I sing because I, I, I don't know why he did that. Cause it, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think he just he felt like, well, I can't sing. Rich can't sing. Who else Steve do I know? might be able to sing. But but let's throw him in. Let's throw him in there and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, is he older or younger than you? He's older than me. Okay, yeah. so that makes a lot of sense. I'm the oldest yeah. brother at, uh, in my family, so that's something I would have done to my little brother. Yeah, yeah. Just go, go up, just yeah. Take this mic. Go up there, there and just sing something, and we'll see. That yeah, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and uh, that was the first gig. With it was in was in two weeks. Suddenly, I found myself on this stage in the in the school hall. In oh front of about gosh. forty people, and uh, wanting to puke because I was so nervous, and I was just <laughs> sort of just like uh, monotone. I was just, I was just very basically just like reading poetry uh, to, oh. <laughs> to <laughs> over this like um, very yeah. I just <laughs> I, I, I loved it though. I, I was, I was in the thrill of it was was amazing. I was in from the get go in, in terms of that like power and then then you're like okay well let's do this again but yeah. we didn't there wasn't a lot going on there the scene the, i mean the rock scene was kind of like uh non-existent there were only a few yeah well, i was gonna ask it, i mean what was it like there was i've had two other people from south africa on okay uh, andre leo and lucy Kruger. and okay. their experience was that it was very difficult because there weren't a whole lot of places and there was a huge distance between them yeah, you know, I yeah. guess in, in that area. But then they said eventually they just be kind of kind of became a, this little enclave of of places to play. And it wasn't a huge amount, but I mean, no. is that is that kind of what you experienced? Is it was just, there's oh. only a select number of places to play without having to go great distances? 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Only uh, in Cape Town, only uh, I could think of like three venues. Wow. That, that you could go to. And they were very, they, the one was a coffee shop and one was like a very, one was like a biker bar and the other one was like some shack bar kind of beach <laughs> bar thing. Oh, wow. So, so we, we did like a lot of, um, and then there were, there were bigger theaters and stuff, but we, you know, uh, <laughs> nobody played, nobody really played those. We did have like the Rolling Stones come through, you know? Oh, wow. Um, and that kind of stuff, but they were playing stadiums and it was like on yeah. a different planet. It wasn't, we would, we were just trying to create a thing. So it, it grew very quickly. I mean, I mean, there was, yeah, very quickly. There was a lot, a lot of groups, a lot of really good music happening. I guess I, it was, it is always happening, but I was just completely unaware of it. <laughs> and we, we used to, yeah, we did a lot of shows in, in, in people's backyards and in parks, school halls, you know, sort of a, stuff that was arranged by friends. And yeah, it's just the best way to get into it. You know, you just like, <laughs> got no monitors. DIY. No, yeah. Just like it was, and we were playing, we were playing punk, we were really into punk music. Okay. At that time. So, how did you guys come yeah. up with the name Civil Twilight, or how did you choose that? We that was um, so we'd gone at that time we'd gone through several names. We we I think we'd gone through five different names until we came up with that name. <laughs> oh man! And and it was we actually we moved to the states. We, we flew to L.A. the three of us to to see if we could make it big, right? And uh, this was like back in two thousand and four. And I was about 20, 21, and we we went there and we we thought, let's see what we can see what we can do. And we were under a different name, and then um, we were under the the name The View. Oh and, wow! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but we because we didn't get any of the American, well, it's a lot of the it's American channels in the states. We didn't know that there was a show called The View. You know? Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so when we got to the states, we found immense confusion. Um, about the name. You had so a whole lot just... of middle-aged women wanting to see Joy Behar <laughs> instead of you guys. <laughs> wow, what the hell is this? Yeah. Who are these kids? I thought these tickets were a little cheap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So we thought, okay, we better change it. I, I, I don't know. I think it was like one of those decisions we made uh, overnight. Like we needed something very quickly and <laughs> um, it was like, an, we thought, uh, aviation term, our, uh, our grandfather, my, my grandfather was a pilot. My uncle was a pilot. We just started riffing on the aviation idea. Oh, and cool. that's, I think civil twilight was like an aviation navigational uh, term that they, you know, that's used, used back in the day. Oh, that's awesome. So we thought, oh, let's just go with that. And yeah. it's unusual. So it's, you know, you often hear how hard it is for a band to find a name that isn't already taken. So it, I know. Well, nowadays, hey, that's impossible, right? You yeah. got you got to name your your band. You got to go really crazy because it's all been taken. Eh? Yeah, exactly. It's it's <laughs> that's the one one of the constants on this podcast is how hard it is to name a band. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I can't even. I guess because now with social media, everybody's in a band, so. Yeah, yeah, seems like it anyway. And this, I know. and and you know, it's it's not like it used to be where there could be like five bands called The View in all over the country, but nobody knows about them because you can't. You know, there was no internet to to for everybody to reach out. So. Right, that's true. Yeah. Like the old Spinal Tap 
thing. We were the originals. And then we found out there's another band called the originals. So then we were the new originals. (laughs) (laughs) So, so you moved to LA from South Africa. Was your family really supportive of that? Or were they a little nervous? Oh, that's massively supportive. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Pretty crazy, man. I think back on that time, I don't know what they were thinking. (laughs) Insane faith to be able to to send your two sons across the world, not knowing if you, how long they're going to be away. Yeah. If they'll ever come back. It was like pretty brutal, man. I mean, uh, but they, they, they will be since day one, my folks have been supportive of whatever I do. It's quite amazing. And I don't know, I don't know anything else. So when I, so when I see parents fighting against the natural growth of their kids, it doesn't make any sense to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My my folks were were just incredible that way. And they still are anything. I think I, 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 you know, if I just, if I call them up and said, I decided to be a fisherman, um, or whatever, they'll be like, that sounds good. You just go for it. Be the best <laughs> one you can be. Yeah. yeah. They're, <laughs> they're incredible that way. It's, so yeah. when you moved to LA, did you guys have anything set up here? I mean, did you have a place to stay? I mean, how, how did that work? Cause like I said, you know, there was no internet at that point. If I, remember, I know. Or at least very, very basic internet, you know, you weren't, it wasn't like it yeah, is today. I know. I know. It's just, yeah, it's crazy. Hey? Yeah. It's, um, I think what well, we had, um, we thought, where should we go? We thought, we need, we need to get out of South Africa. We felt like we would, we would hit a ceiling. If we, if no matter how much success we'd have there, we'd still, we'd still be hitting the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, and we thought we'd want to go somewhere else where we can grow and, and really challenge ourselves. So we thought, should we go to London? It's like, yeah, we don't really, I don't know. And then we thought, should we go to New York? We're like, we sort of picked some of the big places. And, and we thought LA. Well, LA, we know we know three at least three people that live in LA, and they all there were three South Africans <laughs> that lived that had moved there. So we thought, let's just go there. So we so we planned as far as as staying with these friends of ours for a little bit. We didn't know how long. We just we thought <laughs> we'd be there. We'll stay. We'll crash with them for like a week or two, and then go from there. And oh that's my god! Pretty much all we had planned. Yeah. So. I'm going to uproot my entire life, move all the way across the planet, and we'll figure it out after a week or so. <laughs> we'll just, I know. It's, it's madness, yeah. That's but, you know, you're, you're young and, like, just, you don't give a crap. I mean, no. It's like, it was, it, it, you, you're signing up for an adventure. It's like, that's all you're ready. Uh, it's, it was madness. But it's, it's amazing how you, you go into something, you, you jump into something like that, and uh, you're totally open to everybody and everything. It's everything. You know, I, I didn't have any. I was not conditioned. I didn't have any preconceptions of American culture or American subcultures. Uh-huh. So to me, everything was completely open. We didn't. We didn't. We were open to any anybody, anything. It was that. So that kind of made a big difference. You know, we didn't have. There was zero prejudice towards any because we didn't have. We didn't grow up here. That nothing was linked to anything. Mm-hmm any uh identity or it was all up for grabs yeah the whole fresh start for you guys yeah so we made so we made tons of friends very quickly and were able to stay to stay with lots of people for (laughs) for many many years (laughs) um 
Yeah, so but, yeah, we we stayed with those friends for two weeks, and we they kicked us out eventually. And they said, "You guys got to go." Yeah, so we <laughs> we found some other place to be. I think we we lived in a house with like thirteen other guys for for about six months until they were like, we were sleeping. In, we were sleeping in the garage at the time, and they were so like, oh, "We God. we kind of need we need the garage now. Maybe you guys should move up." Then we finally <laughs> find our own place. Yeah. Wow. Well, Americans will help out anybody with an accent. I've discovered that is. That is very true. It was certainly handy. <laughs> it really and, works and, out that way. Yeah, and Americans tend to be. I, when I, I, I feel this when I go when I come back here. It's very generous, you know. Like our, our experience, my experience of, of being a. I don't know what I would have done. We wouldn't have made it without the generosity of, of people, you know. That's that. It's, it's it's another. I hate to say truth about America because I, I hate to think of it that way. This way, but we're very open to people outside of America. We'll help everybody out, but we will yeah. turn on ourselves in a heartbeat. Yeah. A lot of yeah. self-loathing here. I, I know, man. It's incredible. Yeah. It's interesting. eh? But the heart of it, you're right. The, the, the heart of it is um, open. I mean, it's America is still the, the giant experiments that we're all experiencing. Yeah. You know, it's like, very um, true. I mean, which makes it a fascinating place. Like growing up, I was absolutely fascinated with it, and and so I still am in a, in a way. It's because it's ever changing, you know. That and it's it um, is it's, it's never this one day to the next. This country is never the same. It's yeah. How did or when did things start to the momentum for the band start to build here in the U.S.? Whew, I mean, it was it was years and years later. We we <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, so we were in L.A. for three years. A lot of that time was kind of waiting for visas and sort of bouncing around doing odd jobs and some odd gigs here and there. It was like a very interesting, hard time, but very interesting. It was a lot of growth. Eventually we found, we, we, we <laughs> I mean, it's quite a crazy story. I can get into all the detail, but it's <laughs> going to as much detail as you want. Uh, I got all well, day. <laughs> okay, so, uh, there's this, this club here called Molly Malone's and we, we started playing, we started doing a residency there and we played every Thursday night. And, uh, one day this guy was in the audience and he said, why don't you guys come? I really like your, your stuff. Why don't you come and if you need a place to rehearse, you can come and rehearse at the studio that I work at. So we, so we said, no, oh, that sounds awesome. So we went there and one day we were, we were rehearsing in, in the studio. We didn't know who owned the studio. We just sort of set up there and started playing. And one day this guy walked in and, and stood there and was hearing us. He was watching us play. And he was like, <laughs> And then we did, and we ended our song. And, he, and, and hey man, what's up? And Zach, he said, "What? What are you guys doing here?" And uh, <laughs> said, "Oh, we told you know, Sunset told us we could rehearse." And it's like, "Yeah, no, nah, I don't know about this. Is, this is my studio. Um, well, <laughs> I don't know what you guys are doing." Here. <laughs> so then he, but he was like, "But I really like your stuff. You should. Um, I'd love to work with you." And, he, and funny enough, he ended up. You know, he was he was running a little record label at the time, and he ended up managing us for the next. I don't know. Next, like ten years, he's the, oh my he was gosh. Yeah. Wow. Something like that. He he he's uh, yeah. So he and he had some. He was well connected. He had a lot of friends around the place, and he had a, a college friend who was living in South Carolina, who was part owner in a studio, and uh, he told us that if we get out there, we could record in the studio for free. Wow. So we had a little Astro 
Chevy Astro van at the time, and we um, were staying in a in a shed in someone's backyard. And um, <laughs> and one night we thought, and this guy that we were staying with was kind of a difficult guy. We didn't really want to. We didn't really know how to part ways. So <laughs> so one night we just while he was away, we just packed all our things in the van and drove. Uh, drove away. Oh, <laughs> and we drove across the states to South Greenville, South Carolina. We we, we and we wow. got there um, and recorded that first record. Actually, that we did it was at, it was recorded in Greenville, South Carolina. <laughs> so you at this time before that, you guys were touring, playing a lot, though, right? You, you guys basically just yeah, played out. Is, yeah, and this is before we we played a lot, but this is before it really started to get going, right? Okay. So, so then we made this record. We we made a video for it. We t- we did a little booked our own we were our own tours, and we, we were on a tour up the east coast playing playing these little clubs. And and um, um, after the show, after this after this one show in Brooklyn, where there were about three people in the audience, <laughs> one, one of the guys in the audience came up to us afterwards and said, "Hey, man." I'll, I run this label, you know, you should, uh, I really love to sign you guys, you know, you should come by. And, uh, so we ended up signing with this indie label out of New York and, uh, they, they liked the, he, the, the president of the label liked the record, but nobody else in the record company liked it. So we were shelled for about a year. So we said that we just, we, we had this record deal, but, um, but we sort of just sat around oh, until, yeah, it's classic, you know, until yeah. one day um, we got a call from a radio station in, in uh, Texas saying that they're spinning our song and it's getting a lot of traction. Do, do we want to come down and do a, like a live performance for them? So we thought, okay. <laughs> At this point, we'd, li- we'd actually moved to Nashville and and we, we, we'd, we'd, we'd been there for about a year, maybe eight months, um, just just doing what you do in Nashville, which is like drink and get into trouble in this. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. And uh, so we thought, okay, let's go out to, let's drive out to Texas and do this show and see what happens. By the time we got to Texas, you know, the song had, had picked up momentum at other stations and started playing it. So we just kind of went from there doing these radio shows and then before you knew it, we were touring. We we got a booking agent, and we were like out on the road for like two years straight. Just wow. So which which song was it that yeah. that uh, really lit the fuse? And and what song was getting big in Texas? It was a song called "Letters from the Sky," and um, that's a great song. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it was the one. Uh, yeah, just again the one that the, the label thought was. The weakest it had no really? chorus. It had no. It was not like it was, yeah. It was nothing. Yeah, they they just thought yeah, there was nothing there.
much of it either. I mean, we just we loved it. We loved all the songs on that record. We didn't. We weren't really thinking about things that way. But it did. It started picking up momentum. Crazy man. We 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 toured on the back of that for <laughs> the next like five six years. You know, we did. Wow. But, yeah, it's crazy. That's so, that's yeah. Did the the move from LA to the Nashville area? Did that? I mean, did that have an effect on the sound of the music? Uh, definitely. Yeah. I think by that, by that time we, we were more, um, uh, well, we, we started becoming more familiar with, um, with, with American culture and with, uh, American subcultures and yeah, we started picking up a little more influence from what was around us. Nashville at the time, there was a really cool, very small indie scene there that we, somehow got introduced to and it was a great great fertile soil you know to sort of get in touch with a a different style yeah so that 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 really started changing our writing and uh, what we were writing about you know what was the writing process like for the band i mean was there a main songwriter or was everybody contributing equally or a little bit of both yeah it was it was interesting it was like you know, the first record is, is, um, it was, it was just a, a lot of jamming. We jammed, we loved to just like, you know, sit in a room and, and make sounds until something felt like a song. Right. Know? A lot of it was, uh, I mean, I, I started writing songs, very, very poor, bad songs <laughs> for my entire teens. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, it was like therapeutic stuff. It was like, right. you'd, you'd sit in a bed and just like, well, you know, when am I going to be in love? And like, you know, just the yearnings of a teen. Yeah. Know? And, uh, teenage angst. Yeah, man. Um, so I'd been doing that for a long time. I think what I would do is I'd always take ideas to the band and not really, I was too like shy to really, um, I was, I wasn't bold enough to like take charge of anything I was, I'd written. So I'd, I was, <laughs> I would usually like, hints at things in, re- <laughs> in rehearsals, you know, start playing or start playing a, a riff that I'd been working on while, you know, and try and mix, try and put it into the mix and see if it got any, any looks, you know? Right. Um, and, um, but yeah, so me- like melody, uh, and lyrics, those were obviously assigned. Those roles were assigned to me cause I was the lead singer and I was going to sing these words. So I mean, you know, it made more sense. You know? Yeah. But the sound of the atmosphere of, of the songs that all that all came from from us being in a room playing together, and and then then it started, you know, started changing as the records went along. I heard, read, or heard something interesting about the second album, and that it was recorded based on some solo demos. That when you guys actually went in to record it, the band as a whole had never rehearsed them at all. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. And that was terrifying for for us because we from up till then we had done you know, first records of any band are, are usually the greatest hits of the, the the band's greatest hits of the of you know, the past several years of touring. Several years. Yeah, yeah, so so whatever it's like a refined sort of refining of all these tunes that you've got become familiar with and yeah. suddenly we you know, we got off the road and the label was like, well, I think it's 
you know, contractually, you guys are obligated to, to make another record and, move, and we should probably get going on that. Can you maybe <laughs> pump something out in the next, like, you know, give us some demos or something in the next, like, two weeks, you know? Wow. And, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it just, I don't even know why they did that. Insane. But it was really good. They, so I was like, how are we going to do this? We don't, we don't really have, usually for us at the time, songs came very slowly over many hours of playing and many, yeah, months yeah. of refining. So I thought, how are we going to pull this off? We need to make this record. And um, a fan of ours had given me, had used some lyrics in a book that she'd written. And the book apparently had sold some copies. And so she gave me royalties for the supposed contribution to her book. Oh, cool. And, uh, and I, I took that money and bought my first computer, my first laptop. And on the laptop, had, there was GarageBand, and I'd never used GarageBand. So I started dabbling in that and making all these demos. <clears throat> and within about two or three weeks, I'd had, I had about 15 little, little demos. Uh, and then I, I sent those to the label and then the label sent those to some people that we, some producers that we were interested in working with. Oh, and wow. to my surprise, they were like, yeah, let's, let's just run with these. <laughs> so that, and that's how that happens. And then we, before we knew it, we, 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 we were on a plane to, to London to work with this producer on songs that we'd never played before. And, oh my. <laughs> and that, that's what became Holy Weather? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man, well, it doesn't sound like a whole bunch of demos. I mean, it's it's an, it's it's a fantastic album. Oh, uh, thanks. It's, yeah, especially I, that, really I love great. the title track. She was lost like a breeze in a hurricane. Awesome. I mean, it was, yeah, that's a, that's the sound of a, of a, of a dude who's experiencing multi-tracking, um, for the first time. Whole <laughs> <laughs> new worlds are opening up. Yeah. So wait, I can do like six different vocals and I can put on as many, I can do as many drum parts as I like. I mean, I just, you know, I wanted to just go crazy and I wasn't familiar with, I wasn't techie at all. I wasn't familiar with how things were recorded. So I, and I didn't have drum machines or anything. So a lot of it was just like DIY, you know? Oh, yeah, just great. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, wild, open time for you guys. I know. Amazing. Yeah. And then uh, that was, that record was done. We then again, just returned to, to, um, it paid off though. I mean, you guys had some amazing high profile shows. I mean, touring with smashing pumpkins, Florence, the machine, Jimmy Eat World, mm -hmm. silver Sun pickups, and you know some of your music ended up on shows like uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles, One Tree Hill, House. You know, huge mm. stuff. I know. So it yeah. sounds like it, it. You know, it paid off for you. All that hard work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it did. I mean, it's. Uh, 
this is crazy. It's a crazy adventure. I mean, and, and yeah. I guess the, the adventure continues. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's just a, it's, it's a, I look back right now. I have, I have enough objective, objectivity now to look back on it and, and realize a few things. And like, one of them is like, it's incredible what you, what, what you can do when you just, when you give yourself time and you're in no rush, but you're just there to have an experience and focus on doing what you love to do. It sounds so cliche, but it really is. Oh, it's cliche for a reason though. Yeah, it really is. I mean, <laughs> that's the marrow of it, you know, yeah. everything else comes, everything that you're desiring from it comes, it comes and it'll come in its own form and its own timing. But, uh, when the objective is just to like have an adventure and, and experience life and, you know, try and make things that you love, it's like, you can't really go wrong. I mean, it, it, it and also it's going to be, yeah, you, you can, you grow in and out of things too, you know, like the idea that we, we, we constantly want to have something that we identify with, that, that sort of becomes our identity. And, and that we, and when we're younger, you're desperate to you're desperate for identity and you're desperate to be somebody, to be yeah. something, to be defined. And you want, you want that success. You want to, you want that image. You want that thing that's going to define you. So you can just sit back and get in and, and, and reap the rewards and go into sort of auto mode. But yeah. then you realize that like, Oh, life continues. Yeah. <laughs> you know, life goes on and on and, and, uh, um, and, and then you evolve. don't want to be defined. Then you, then you, people yeah. start to expect what you, you've done in the past. And you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want that to define me. <laughs> yeah. I said, like, I'm not, I'm not Coca-Cola here. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like, I'm a human being. Yeah. So it's, it's, it'd be an interesting practice in like the natural organic growth of things. I mean, it's okay to like have to get everything that you've, des you've desired for many years and then to live with it for a bit and then put it down and move on, you know? Yeah. And the band was certainly like that. Like years and years and years and years and years of like pushing and working and playing and working towards this thing that we wanted, getting it and then living in it for a bit and then, and then putting it down and moving on. Yeah. Know? Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so the last Civil Twilight album, was that done in, the, in a similar way where it was based on demos that you had done or was it more of a collaboration or how I mean I guess what was there a similar or a different process in creating that album it was a bit of both that, that by that point I I'd become more experienced at making my own demos and so a lot of it I mean we had a long time to make to, to write for that record and we had an, an, a member a, a new member in the band um he was playing guitar and keyboard and so it was a new dynamic and um, it needed some direction and all of us, all of us at the time, except Rich had pretty big drinking problems. And so we yeah. <laughs> were trying I... to get it, trying to make it all work. <laughs> oh, wow. And, um, so it was a, many hours of just like flailing around trying to get the organic feel, but we couldn't quite find it. Eventually we needed some direction. And so, yeah, a lot of the songs were, were written, um, in Nashville. There were, there were a lot of demos that I'd made for that tons i mean hundreds of demos that i made for that that we eventually filtered out and but you knew ahead of time you had to do demos it wasn't like a two weeks <laughs> no, <laughs> hey no, give me no, demos so in two weeks oh. yeah so it was like yeah we had, we had a long time to write for it so it was like let's try to do the organic thing so then we sit in the room for like two weeks playing 
jamming and then nothing came of it. So then we thought, Let, well, let's try put some structure in. Then we put some structure in. We, somebody would, you know, I'd, I'd introduce the song. We'd try, try and nail the song down to exactly what the vision was and it wouldn't work. So then we'd do that. You know, we did that for two weeks. It wouldn't work. So then we tried something else for another month. That wouldn't work. It was this long, like crazy process. Uh. And eventually, uh, we had to make, we had to put something down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's called story of an immigrant. Does that have, is that any, any connection to you guys moving over to the U S from South Africa? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know why that theme was prevalent for me at the time. I, I think I was, yeah, it must've been in my mind. I was thinking about what it means to be from somewhere else. Um, I, I think I, I, yeah, I was chewing up the idea that we're all immigrants of some kind, and that we're all essentially, even if even if you you are, are of, a, of a certain ethnicity and you are bound to a location, essentially you are linked to something. You are linked to somewhere else, you know. And I think it was just like trying to understand what is nationalism, what is patriotism, what is what is what are these terms that we throw around and where. You know? Uh, how can we live outside of that? So I think I was wrestling with a lot of those ideas and missing, missing home a lot. And yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah. So the songs that, that came out of that, a lot of, a lot of heart in those songs. I, I think we did pretty well with that, but yeah, it's hard, it was hard time. It was a hard one to make. Will I join the guys were drinking pretty heavily at that point and i know that mm. led to some health issues for you you had uh, what mm -hmm. two seizures mm -hmm. oh, yeah wow. i know that was the that was the um that's how it like came to head yeah we'd been touring um of the west coast uh, opening for this band and it was and uh, we had a break before you know, like a week break before we went to the to the east coast i got back to nashville and uh obviously kept the Keep the party going, and then, um, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, one day I was, and one, one morning I was a it was a Sunday. I was trying to Sunday at the time, you know, Nashville Sunday liquor stores are closed. So I was like, okay, liquor stores closed now. I got to get some beer before I, I start to like you know freak out. And um, wow. but I missed the window. Yeah, I had like two two seizures back to back from um, from alcohol withdrawal. It's pretty wow. crazy. Yeah, so it's and then then, yeah, then you're in the hospital with doctors reading your chart to you with zero judgment, just just matter of fact, telling you what the state of your body the state of your body's in. Wow. You know, for me it was like, okay, it's time for a change. And yeah. that that happened that happened and the label imploded and the band dismantled all within a span of about two weeks, you know. It all came to a head. That's incredible. I, yeah. oh my, I can't, I, 
I can't even imagine what you what you were going through at that point. I mean, everything in two weeks. That's just I know. That's crazy. rough. I know they say God doesn't give you more than you can handle, but that's a lot to handle. Yeah, you know, it's it sounds it's it sounds pretty it sounds a little crazier than it was. At the time it was so whirlwindy it was just happening and you just and, you, and it actually felt very right all of it felt like timely or something it was interesting oh wow i mean we had the, the band set you know we sat down as a band and decided to to call it quits and it was like the best it was we <laughs> we sat down had coffee we said let's let's probably let's let's call this and then and then we sat and then we we're like there's just like an insane relief just wow just like came over us and we we're like able to sit there as friends for like two hours and just chat and, and parted ways. And that was that it was like very simple, just uncomplicated. I mean, where, where to go from there? That's, that right. was a bit of a, you know, what, do, what do I do now after? Yeah. I'm assuming at that point you stopped drinking pretty soon after that. Yeah. Then I was, then I was done. I mean, uh, did you have any future? Cause I know I've had people in the past who, who had similar issues and, there was a fear that your creativity kind of stemmed from that. I mean, was there any fear of that, of, of I'm going to stop drinking now? How am I going to write if I don't drink? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Massive. Yeah, man. That was, that was huge. I, I, I didn't write anything for, for a few months. I, I, I didn't um, really go there. Yeah. I mean, how it's, the big one was performing. Like how, if I was going to, if I was going to go and like do shows again, how the, I was thinking, how the hell am I going to pull this off? Right. I hadn't, I hadn't done a sober show since I was like probably 15, 16. Oh, wow. You know? So I didn't, uh, I was like, how am I going to pull this off? And, um, so the first show I did actually, <laughs> it was pretty crazy. I mean, it was, <laughs> So the first show, I, I, the first time I sang in in public after being sober was the Hollywood Bowl. Oh with, wow! With, with the for the Chester uh, Lincoln Park thing, yeah. Oh wow! So my wife and I decided to go and travel a little bit. And it was, um, yeah, I think that was that time. Yeah. It was. So, so that was like, <laughs> can I pull this off? You know, like, right. uh, um, yeah. But when you, when you, once you do it, you realize, uh, it was so liberating to realize that you didn't need, I didn't need anything in my system for, you know, to, I, I, I could, I could tap into what I, what I really wanted to, I wanted to really be there. I mean, I always wanted to really be there, you know? Yeah. It's being there is what terrifies us, but, but that's where the life is, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm so, really being there. It's like, you know, no, 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 it doesn't matter how nervous you are. What's more important. It doesn't even matter if you fuck up and more importantly, it's like being there Yeah. for all of that, you know? 
So how yeah. soon after <clears throat> the band broke up, did you start writing solo material? And was that what ended up becoming the, the Belleville demos? Yeah. Yeah. I think that was, um, that was about a year later, I think. Yeah. This is how it goes. This is how it goes. You never really get until you can look behind. This is how it goes. This is how. I didn't do much for, yeah, I didn't perform. I, I was writing songs, but I, uh, I was, I'd always, been, I'd always been writing songs and demoing stuff, but I didn't really think about putting anything out. And I don't know what, to, I didn't know what to do after that. Yeah, I, I put out the Belleville demos. I wrote, I wrote that in when my wife and I were in Paris. And, uh, I didn't really think much of it. I just like wanted to, uh, I wanted to really go crazy. I wanted to try and see, uh, if I, if I wrote a record that I didn't have to play live, what would that sound like? Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. If I could just put anything on there. So that's yeah. why it's tons of like brass and all kinds of tons of tracks. And it was, a, it was a beautiful experiment. It was extremely liberating, you know, doing that on my own. And learning how to, to, to record things, that was the first thing I'd actually recorded and put out on my own. And okay. Hence the demo-like sound of it, you know. It's like <laughs> it's, I've, uh, I've got a little better at, at honing that since then, but I'm still learning, obviously. Uh, just, that was the beginning of it for me, yeah. You're starting to write again. Was the thought always to be a solo artist or was it to, or did you have any idea of maybe putting a band together, a different band or was, was a solo artist always the, the focus for you? Um, or was there yeah, a focus? I don't think there was, to be honest. <laughs> and there's still, there still isn't really. It's, it's, uh... <laughs> Everything's still up in the air. Yeah, man. I, 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 it's interesting. I, there was a lot of wrestle in me regarding what to do next. Naturally, I, I felt really insecure about being a solo artist and like what that means. That yeah, I didn't think about being in a band again because it, it would just it was too too much. I didn't want to go there just yet. I think I was curious to see. I was curious to see what would happen if I if I decided to make things on my own, entirely on my own, and and. Uh, if I thought, okay, if I, if I can get the bravery to put things out on my own to see what, to see how that feels, that's basically all it's been since. I mean, I, I don't really know. I, I don't really have, know how to define it for myself. It's just, a, again, just a, an experiment. Uh, yeah. And I feel now I feel more, more uh, deeper longing to collaborate with people because I think it's been, that's kind of where I came from was the collaboration, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, your, your first band was Civil Twilight with your brother. You know, it, yeah. your whole history up until that band ended was as part of a band. So, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, so, um, 
who knows? Maybe that's the next thing, you know. Um, I actually thought of that the other day. Uh, I got really excited about it. I was like, <laughs> uh, starting starting like a rock band again, in like a oh, three piece rock band. I was like, what would that be like? That'd be really fun to do, man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> that's kind of where Ethio is different. I mean, it's, it's not rock it's it's more electronic which i guess doesn't necessarily exclude it from being a rock album but it's it's a quieter album mm-hmm. for the most part i mean it's it's you know modern boy don't ask me why these these are just awesome so the promise swallowed all my pills tried to ignore those critical bills Made myself a dinner in the microwave. Got down on my knees and I prayed and prayed. Sang the national anthem out of tune. They said if I just keep going, all my dreams. It's just you doing everything, right? Yeah. 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 I think, um, um, you know, the old, <laughs> since I'm getting older, it's like, I just want to quiet down a little more. Um, <laughs> I know that feeling. Uh, yeah. And after years and years of being, I mean, honestly, years of being on, on very loud stages with very loud drums and cymbals yeah. and everything, loud rooms and audiences. And like, I, I think I felt like I just wanted to like bring everything down a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, it's quiet just, time. Yeah, man. Just a little bit of reflection, a little bit of breathing time, you know? So is that what the yeah. albums are about? I mean, <laughs> the, the Ethios and, and Nama, are there, is it self-reflection? Is it, is it you basically looking in on yourself or is it, I mean, are there themes to the albums? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think Ethio was, it was inspired was a build up, but it essentially kind of came to head when I when when I came back from being in overseas. So I think it was about four months we had been traveling throughout Europe, and and I came back to the states, and I hadn't been away from the states that long since I'd moved to the states. So okay. I I felt a bit of ob- objectivity when I landed in JFK, and I, I I remember like standing in the passport line and feeling you know Trump had just been elected. And there was a sense of confusion and anger in the air. And I was like, what is, it's like this America by that point, by that stage was home and it is home. And it it was, it was precious to me. I like, I like, I I didn't like seeing it in the state, you know, I don't like seeing it confused. I don't like seeing that kind of anger. And I was like, what is this? Uh, What is this? And I, 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 got home and I was, I wanted to experiment. I didn't really purposely intend it to be this way, but eventually I started coming together where I, I, I wanted to, someone started coming together. Like, like I was on, like I was looking, walking down a street in an American neighborhood and sort of observing all the characters on, in each house. And, oh, wow. and so then, and then sort of seeing myself in them again, like it's, you know, so all songs are like, you know, whether they're ordered by, whether they're like, no matter how um what's the word uh metaphoric they are they are all um character based essentially you 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 have to draw from your own experience you know? True. So i think uh, each character 
is each song sort of represents a character, but which, which is representing somebody else's story, but it's essentially my story, like essentially the way I feel about what it's like to live here. Right. Um, um, yeah. So it was kind of an, it was very fun to make, very interesting to make. Um, Did you make it before uh, you had a label in place to, to put it out? Yeah, yeah. So I made that. And um, so you had like, you, you kind of had freedom at the you you wouldn't have you didn't have any label going. All right, this has got to be this way. This has got to be this way. Oh, it was absolute. Just yeah, whatever I wanted. Oh wow! And then I then I met uh, Todrick Spaulding. He just yeah, I met him in L.A. He started a label, and uh, he heard the record and really loved it and wanted to put it on on his label. So I was like, yeah, that's incredible. That's yeah. It. But he he you know Nama also came out on on Sonic Ritual, which is his record label. And so, yeah, so so what he's he's just like he's not like a label, right? He's, Sonic Ritual is just like <laughs> to me they just then they're they're a label, but but my relationship with Tudrick is like he's got utter complete trust. He's like whatever you want, whatever you make, we'll just put out. Like he's he's incredible that way. So That's Nama awesome. was made the same way. So it's like I right, just do whatever you want to do. I wow. think if I had sent him like you know six minutes of silence and, and footsteps, he'd be like, yeah, sure. Let's put it out. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, uh, he's like just full trust. It's quite amazing. Yeah. So, okay. So that makes, uh, I don't say it makes sense, but it, it kind of, I heard that the new album was, you, you mixed it without actually listening to it. Oh, so yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the tracks, was uh yeah it's just funny i was traveling <laughs> again i was in i was in nashville i didn't I, we they needed a, a master of the record of, of this one song and um how did it go down it was so funny i i didn't know how to i had the master on my hard drive okay but i didn't have a computer with me <laughs> so i couldn't mix it myself so i had to go to a friend's house to mix it so i plugged the hard drive into his system and the song came up on his computer and then we started talking <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but i hadn't seen him in a while and we started chit-chatting and then he had to go and and i said okay well let's just do the song quick and he's like oh no i already bounced it it was like he he, he just bounced it <laughs> and uh i looked at the file and i was like i saw the you know the wave files and i was like yeah this is <laughs> nothing weird here. Let's just see. Yeah, it looks like it's the right time. <laughs> so let's just send that. <laughs> like I'll, I'll know, you know, if I send it to someone that mastered, they'll tell me if it's like, oh, there's no vocal on here or something. Yeah. Oh, what? So what song was that? Uh, it was a song. It was the promise, but it was like a. It, it was like a, a live version of the promise. Oh wow! That, yeah. Is that, um, the, is that the one that ended up on the EP with the question yeah. mark? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the question mark, yeah. one, which I, I thought was appropriate, you know? Yeah, I like that. I, I was, it took me a second. I was like, wait a second. There's an, an older, and then there's one with the question mark. And I'm like, uh-huh. ah, okay. I also like the idea of someone like <laughs> trying to pronounce that, like, 
like <laughs> you, know, you got the promise which is like bold it's like you know bruce springsteen you know right and then you got the promise like <laughs> question mark <laughs> i like the idea of somebody trying to work that out <laughs> they playing that on the next up is the promise <laughs> the promise by stephen david mckellar <laughs> yeah I should just do everything with the question mark. They, oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Every every album, every song is a question. Yeah. Or ellipses. Like a, you can use a combination of like ellipses or uh, or question marks. So, yeah, like um, <laughs> yeah, like Prince became the symbol. Yeah, you know, he's just a symbol now. I can just question mark. That's like the all, Riddler. There you go. All your songs are now just punctuation marks. Yeah, honestly, the new album. It's just punctuation. You get like a question mark. One song is an exclamation point. A schwa. You know. Yeah. Why the hell not? That's what it's coming. It's what it's coming to now. Hey, it'll Emoji. set you apart. Yeah. <laughs> the, the new album, Nama. It's you know, it sounds like a, definitely a progression from Ethio. And I liked the EPs that came out. There's two EPs that came out ahead of the album with some songs that aren't on the album, which I really liked. The middle, I liked that mm. a lot. That those the creepy cool. vocal effects and that that simple guitar riff that goes on through the end. I love that. Um, that was my first time collaborating with an old friend of mine who I mean, I met in Nashville, but he now he now lives in uh, uh, Tallahassee, and um, it was co- it was COVID vibes, you know. So I said I couldn't be in person, so I just I sent him some tracks to see. He's such a talented dude, and I, I didn't know what to expect really, but he sent me back. Yeah, I said just send him a track and just say, just do whatever you want on it and uh, and uh, oh, wow. just see what happens. And that's basically exactly what he laid down. Like within a within a few hours, that riff, you know. And I was like, oh my gosh, spot on! You it know? is like, so yeah. good. Yeah. But one of, one of the things I also like about the album is it's it's there's such a, a mix of feelings in it. I mean, it's it's a great album to listen to when you when you just kind of want to sit back and just listen to music for a while, you know, not mm-hmm. while you're doing anything else. You know, you, when you just want to sit back and just listen to music, this whole album is perfect for that. Um, oh, cool. So was it tough to go and, and like, you know, you were, we were talking earlier about how this is kind of an introspective album. Is it, is it tough to write that way to, to kind of, I guess for lack of a better term, confront yourself and, and especially over the last two years with, with the pandemic going on was, mm. was it difficult to write music about yourself <laughs> no <laughs> oh, that's good it sounds like no you mean when I think about it, like uh, no it's especially that during that time I mean we you got more time to reflect you know yeah Oh yeah. Uh, um, I guess, and everyone, everyone was doing that, you know, at that time. I think, I mean, the like, you know, we're all the same. Like, everybody, our, our number one concern is ourselves, I and mean, we think about ourselves the most, more than anybody else, you know, sadly enough. Yeah. That's just human nature. But I think, um, I think the 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 pandemic happening, 
a huge amount, just so many emotions going on there. But I think I, I felt, well, I certainly felt um, uh, homesick. Uh, no, you know, uh, home is, is not the right term. I just felt like I had been, hadn't been to Cape Town. I hadn't seen my family in a long time. I was going through some, uh, uh, and still am going through discovering my uh, deeper identity, you know, who I really am and, yeah. and all that stuff, you know, that, that, and, and when you, when you, when you're in the process of, when you're in the practice of, 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 um, journaling and asking yourself questions and writing, that's naturally going to come out in all the songs and all the music and, uh, I feel like Nama is a little more hopeful because that's what I was wanting to feel. You know, I wanted to feel a little more, a little more love in it. Um, yeah. It's a little more simplistic love. So the, so the, the themes are, yeah, just, they're about home. They're about, yeah, things that I love in life. It's a great, like, like we are saying, introspective type of album with a lot of different themes, but it's not a bummer to listen to you know it's not, it's not one of those albums where you just it's just sad all the way through mm-hmm. the first track uh one and zero it's one of my favorites on the out in the album it's it's oh, beautiful it's hypnotic it's melancholy got a trillion tiny waves i think is my favorite song on the album and that uh, awesome that's my i think that's my favorite one too i love it it's, it's got this skeletal beat and then it just kind of builds into this swell at, uh-huh. at times and I, I i love i love the build in that song it's great uh, thanks man the treasure that very dense so, so you got the skeletal stuff and then it gets real dense I, I love stuff like that oh thanks man yeah i think um that's that's a good example that song that song is like talking about my love for um music essentially i mean it's uh very simple you know it's yeah and it's i didn't know that's what i was what i was wanting to feel is just a, a simple gratefulness or something for like what it, for what it is that I was doing for the ability to be able to enjoy music. I mean, cheap as you already think about that, that, you know, the role it plays in all of our lives and how I can, it helps us all to, 
to process things and to escape when you need to. I don't know. It's very, oh. Well, yeah. Everybody's life has a soundtrack and mm. you're creating part of people's lives, parts of the soundtrack that they're going to remember. So mm. I mean, that, that's pretty, that, that's a, a pretty amazing job to have. I know. That is wild. Eh? Yeah. It's quite an honor. People look back yeah. like in the, you know, they think of a great memory. One of your songs could be attached to it. So I mean, I, that's one of the things that I've always loved about music is, is the, yeah, those attachments. Man. I know that's wild. And it never, and that's what never, it keeps on giving. I mean, there's the more age the song becomes, this, the more stories that are attached to it, you know? Oh, absolutely. That's a wonderful thing. Eh? It's beautiful. I think that's that's when I think. Uh, oh, if you if you just if you're making things that resonate with you, with your tr with your truth, no matter where you are, it's going to have a place in the future. It's never. It's going to be under. It's going to be undefined by by the times. Essentially, it's going to stand outside of of, of trend, and it's going to live somewhere else. And that's what we all really want to to make and want to listen to. That's the power of it, eh? It's a wonderful thing. And I love how the album ends with, with an awesome, upbeat track, The Edge of the Garden. I, that's mm. great. So I love the way that, it, that the album ends with that. Sequencing is, is awesome on it. Oh, cool, cool. <laughs> so are you playing shows to support the album or are you, are you planning to? And is it going to be, would it be just solo Steven or would it be, would you put a band together? Oh man, I, I haven't thought about that. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I did, I did it uh, for Ithio. I did a tour and I put a little, uh, put a group together uh, my wife and I did a tour together and uh, it's a lot of fun. It was, but I don't think I'll be doing that again, to be honest. I want uh -huh. a national, a national, national tour like that, club tours. And that. Uh, I, I, I did that tour and I was like, man, this is, I'm done with this. Wow. Uh, okay. Totally open to like doing shows, but I think I'd want more control over the environment and uh, <laughs> I find myself, yeah, I'm, I'm 40, like in January, I'm, uh, a lot of my audience, if they're all up there with me or older, and it's like, here I am trying to bring them out to some, you know, some dingy club at, a, at 10 p.m. on a Wednesday to come <laughs> see me play. I'm like, I, I don't want to do that to people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, I just felt like this is not right. I, I don't want to have more control over, over, this this of of this event that I'm putting on that I'm basically hosting. I thought that that makes sense. But yeah, I, so I will tell you one thing. I am uh, in June. I will be fifty, and I am one of the ones that will come out and see a band that I like on a Wednesday, an hour and a half away from my house. So, uh huh. Okay. <laughs> one of those rare rare breeds. It's awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, and 
You ever play in the D- Washington D.C. area? Let me know, and I'll bring my camera. So. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what'll happen next year. I'm planning. I'm planning sh- like art, some art shows and some more experimental stuff. I, I um, oh, I'll cool. see how the yeah, I'll see how it all pans out. But um, yeah, no, 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 no tours or shows planned right now. And I've kept you for quite a while today, and it's been awesome chatting with you. Where where can people find the album? How can they pick it up and and support you and follow you if if uh, you do some shows here and there or whatever your next project happens to be, whether it's solo or a new band? Yeah, well, the the vinyl just came out like uh, a few weeks ago. <laughs> just came out a few weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I haven't got a copy yet, but apparently it looks good. <laughs> <laughs> the creator doesn't have a copy and Apparently yet. it sounds good, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's out. And if you go to my Instagram page, which is pretty much all I'm really operating on right now, if you go there, there's like there's a link to get the, the vinyl and there's, there should be some links to get, uh, you know, to listen to the record. Okay. Um, and then I usually, you know, uh, if I'm doing something – and event-wise, I'll put, usually post it on there. Okay. So that's a good place to go. I think I'm not really on anything else okay. right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, one is enough. Yeah, no, I, I understand that one for I sure. Can't keep up. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if I didn't have to be on so many for this to, to promote the podcast, I think I'd stick to Instagram myself. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for spending so much time with me, man. It's been awesome chatting with you. It's been great, man. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 